politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight for our new country that must be reconstituted. Welcome to the CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Back in the house, a little fatigued today. The workload is heavy and the day is short. And we don't have too much help here in any battle. I'm warning you today is going to be a little gruesome. We're going to talk a lot about crime stories. The stories that are never spoken about, even on conservative media. But it is Wednesday, El Stinco de Mayo. Well, we can't celebrate our independence anymore because we're not independent anymore. So maybe we may as well celebrate the Mexican uh, Stinco de Mayo because we've all become, not really Mexico, it's actually we're becoming Central America, um, a mixture of Guatemala and North Korea. (laughs) I guess if North Korea and Guatemala had a bastard child, that's what America would look like, or that's what the child would look like the way America is now. And speaking of a bastard child, um, a trans child, isn't it funny watching conservative media focus on Bruce Jenner? NRO, National Review, wrote an article, Caitlyn Jenner may be the wrecking ball that puts Democrats as well as Republicans to shame. They're so taken in by his ad. The conservative case for transgenderism. This is what I'm dealing with. Either downright rotted out values or just distractions on the phony right. So a lot of you are saying, Daniel, I signed up for conservative action or constitution action network. Um, I signed up at conaction.network. Ah, I can't talk today because of uh, spring allergies, a little bit uh, stuffed up. But I signed up and I'm not hearing from you. Folks, be patient. All of your names are stored. We're getting team leaders. The first step is going to be once we get a team leader in place, which we have in about 10 different states, um, we're looking for some more team leaders. We are going to organize a faculty grassroots training. So everyone's going to get together and meet each other through this uh, training that's going to be set up by the team leaders um, to understand just how to get active, how to do what we're talking about. We know what we need to do, but this is how to do it. But folks, it's a little bit tough. I don't have a single person who's doing this full time. There are all these new conservative organizations that have some degree of money and donations in an office, and that's what they do full-time. Even I don't really do this full-time. I write all my articles and do all the research and give you all the macro talking points. So to actually coordinate with people and be on the phone um, organizing is is just a, a fraction of my time. There's a limit to how quickly I can do this, but... It's not like your your uh, sign up went in a black hole. Absolutely not, um, folks. And 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 you know, thinking about how hard it is to run a business, doing this nonprofit organization out of this uh, show audience has taught me really the need for small business owners to have someone help them with HR concerns, so they could do what they were meant to do, actually run their business, the meat and potatoes of the business. That's why I recommend Bambi. Um, whether it's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regs, you need an HR manager. Now, typically that will cost you about 70000 a year. But if you go to Bambi, that's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, 
they will give you a dedicated HR manager that you could call, email, text anytime for $99 a month flat rate. That's $1,200 a year for a $70,000 position. Um, they will be available at any time from onboarding to terminations. They customize your policies to fit your business needs. Um, it's month to month, no hidden fees. You could cancel any time. Folks, you didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. So I want you to go to Bambi.com slash conservative right now to schedule your free HR audit. Again, that's Bambi.com slash conservative, spelled B-A-M-B-E, B-A-M-B-E dot com slash conservative. Now, folks, <clears throat> we talked about you know how Republicans are all distracted and these conservatives are talking about maybe Caitlyn Jenner is a good idea. This embodies our problem. So they're focusing on, on a transgender guy running for governor in a state you can't win in in California, and yet they're not focused on Idaho, which is so much our future, where we need to stand, a rhino governor, and pressuring Trump to endorse Janice McGee and the lieutenant governor who's going to stand up to run against him. Why am I the only one focusing on this? What else are they focused on? Elise Stefanik. Getting rid of Liz Cheney as the conference chair, the number three slot in the House, of a Republican conference that's irremediably broken, within a House that's irremediably broken, within a federal system that's irremediably broken. And you have McCarthy and Scalise at the top anyway. It doesn't matter. And the person they're offering is Scalise, is, is Stefanik, who is so liberal she even voted against the tax cuts. But, but this is the focus. We can't get anyone going after the rhino Republican governors in Alabama, in Indiana, even Ohio, West Virginia, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Idaho, just to mention a few. We can't find it. Texas. Where's the focus? This is where it's at. This is what we're going to focus on, not this typical, okay. Republicans need to win Congress. And the next two years, Republicans need to win the presidency. It's like nothing changes. We need to focus on state and local elections, but not just focusing on them as opposed to federal elections, but in the same way we focus on them. It's about getting based people in those positions that view the Republican Party as nothing more than a temporary um, ballot access until we could start a new party. That's the mindset. See, I don't want to get involved in this whole polarizing fight. Should we start a new party or should we not? At the very minimum, you should recognize the party is broken. And if you're going to use it, just use it for ballot access. Not the typical, I'm running on school choice, low taxes, pro-life, and pro-gun. Like, no. It needs to be people that are based in reality that get what we're up against and they will do whatever it takes to get our outcomes on the issues that really pose the greatest threat at present. That's what these Liberty Strike Force groups will work on. And again, the legislative policy stuff work hand in glove with the campaign stuff because we need to really make the case in the offseason against the incumbents so that we soften up their support in a way that will 
create the market for a primary challenge that, that we currently don't have enough. But that's where we are now. Now, one of the issues we see we failed on is crime. It is getting out of control. Nobody serves any time for anything anymore. There's basically three problems that need to be addressed in every state legislature. And my goal is to have legislation being pushed in 30 state legislative chambers come next year. And that is pre-trial, during trial, and then post-conviction sentencing. Pre-trial, you have people that are nonstop committing crimes in the increasingly long period of time it takes to have a trial. And they're out, and no matter what, they don't get locked up. We need a law to make it clear that above a certain threshold of crime, if you are caught violating the bail, not just not paying it, but committing a crime while you're out, your bail is automatically revoked. That would prevent a good share of the crime. Then we need to go through all of the areas of the, of the trial that prevent us from landing convictions needlessly. If you want to know how easy it should be to convict some of these murderers and rapists and, and you know assault and robbery, just look at Derek Chauvin. Look at how easily they convicted him. But that's the two-tiered justice system. Whether it's the exclusionary rule that Reagan railed against for so long, but, uh, you know, nothing's been done since then. By the way, that was the original definition of criminal justice reform. It was reform on behalf of victims to ensure the bad guys get locked up. Reagan put it very simply in 1982 when he introduced his bill that only some of it got through. It was very simple. It was all about protecting the innocent and putting the professional criminals in jail where they belong. How many Republicans talk like that? How many Republican governors? None of them. They're all onto this jailbreak stuff. Tom Cotton's the only one who talks about the under-incarceration problem. Ron DeSantis is the only one who had a major bill toughening sentencing in some way. Everyone else is with like, oh, we need second chances. When they all have 50 chances. And they don't get locked up. And then, of course, there's post-conviction sentencing. The sentencing is just, it's getting less and less. We need to re, the mandatory minimums are basically gone in every state. We need to reconstitute them. And we need to reconstitute some sort of three strikes and you're out. And we really need to clamp down on the juvenile stuff. So we're going to get to that today. Our sponsor today, Startmail. Folks, free email services like Gmail are not free. At the end of the day, you got to pay for your privacy. I recommend Startmail. Obviously, big tech is selling your data to the highest bidder. And 
they track everything. Your emails are not um, free. And what we've seen recently is that the Justice Department is now going to, they're talking about hiring private entities to basically spy on conservatives. Well, those private entities are Gmail and things like that. Startmail keeps my email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, by the way. Big tech can't read, scan, analyze, sell my information, ever. Nor could the government snoop around. Startmail delete means delete. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. They use their own servers, so they don't have the whole problem that Parler had. It's backed up by the most most the stringent privacy laws in the world. And it's not based in the U.S., which is actually a good thing in this case. Um, you can get unlimited anonymous aliases. So that feature basically protects your email address from spamming and phishing. So if you want to give out your email to you know some sort of marketing company or some sort of product, it will protect your identity. They could generate uh, shareable elias emails for you so people can't sell your info. And basically, this stuff is, I'm telling you, it is worth the cost. They give you a lot of space, more so than other, um, uh, I forget the number, but um, I'm not such a tech guy, but they give much more space than other uh, services that are similar that I've seen. I don't trust big tech. I don't trust spy mail. I switched to start mail, so I'm gradually switching over. My account, by the way, is Daniel Horowitz at at, uh, startmail.com. So just straight up my name. Start securing your private email with Startmail. If you sign up today, you can get 50% off at startmail.com slash conservative. That's start with a T at the end. S-T-A-R-T mail.com slash conservative for 50% off your first year. Now, folks, we had a listener, Victoria from New Hampshire, sent me an email, and she was like, this article is right up your alley. It's, she called it the Daniel Horowitz trifecta. She's like, this is emblematic of everything you're talking about. I'm going to read you the article from the union leader, Manchester union leader. And it's going to knock your socks off. But the thing is, it's actually, it's not, it's not an aberration. These cases happen every day in every city. Victims get needlessly beaten and raped by people that were just released for no reason, should have been locked up, and there's no voice for them. And by the way, just before I um, go on, today's show is dedicated to prayers for recovery for Brian Sherman, an officer in Nashville who was just ambushed by a bunch of thugs. They, they called in a fake call and had to set up an ambush. Again, this happens all the time. No voice for them. No voice for victims of crime from either party. But let me read this from New Hampshire. A Manchester man who said he was beaten three years ago by Amuri Dioli described his assailant's anger as turning on like a light switch with Dioli landing rapid punches on his head, breaking his nose and leaving him with undiagnosed case of PTSD. So this happened in 2018, I believe November 2018, and to this day, he's never had a trial. He's never gone to trial, and you'll see why not on that case. He's been let in and out of jail a number of times, okay? 
in and out a number of times. He was last arrested in January. But he was released because the judge said he's not fit to stand trial. And the state law requires prosecutors to have a psychiatrist recommend them to be committed to a state psychiatric hospital if you want to hold them. They tried with five psychiatrists. They couldn't find them because most of them don't want to testify because they're, you know, I mean, that's a liberal field and they want to let these guys go. So, again, that's another way that statute needs to be fixed. That's true criminal justice reform. It places the future of the most violent criminals in the hands of of um, the, the foxes guarding the hen house, the psychiatrists. Now, I've said this before, folks, but one of the many problems we have that need reform, and they're doing the opposite, is the mental health stuff. Reagan talked about the insanity stuff all the time. Insanity is not a reason to let them out on the street. It's more of a reason to lock them up. If you believe it's a legitimate reason to keep them separate from a traditional prison, then fine. Then put them in a mental asylum. But you can't have them on the streets because they're more dangerous than anyone else. Like, Daniel, they're, it's not their fault. They can't control themselves beating and killing people. Well, all the more so, they, have to, they can't be you know, let out. It's not the targeted killings that are such a big public safety threat. I mean, they're bad. They need to be punished. You know, the passion crimes, the business partner, the CSI type of crimes. It's these violent people, whether they're criminally insane or not, you know, and that's a murky line, but it, it doesn't matter that they just beat the hell out of people randomly at any notice. They need to be taken off the streets. So this guy, Dioli, was such a guy. So he had all sorts of in and out of jail, never locked up, never even went to trial 15 months later, breaking this guy's nose, eye sockets, jaw. And by the way, this was a guy who gave him a job. And then he like disciplined him for like moving the furniture to a bad place, and the guy just went crazy on him. So he was released again, April 23rd. Okay, just six days later, this was last week, last Thursday, Manchester Manchester police arrested Dioli after a woman called 911 for help. What happened? Basically, Dioli assaulted her in a, for two hours in a cemetery. That's where he hangs out. Allegedly smashing her head on a grave, raping her, putting a knife to her neck, and threatening to kill her. Dioli faces three counts of aggravated felonous sexual assault and two counts of criminal threatening. According to court papers, Dioli moved to the United States from war-torn Congo at age 10. That would have been 17 years ago. Left his family's Manchester home at age 15, ended up in foster care. So, this has another element. This is the crap we import. <clears throat> By the way, I, I, I can't prove it, but most of the people who have come from Congo the last two decades were brought through the refugee resettlement program. This is what we're bringing. So an American woman was raped and beaten. Another man was beaten because of a refugee. Give me your tired and poor. And particularly from places like Congo, we've seen a lot of those type of stories. Um, my buddy, Refugee Resettlement Watch, um, what's her name? 
Ann Corcoran, Ann Corcoran, of course, and sorry about that. Um, RefugeeResettlement.com, she's been reporting violent Congolese stories in America for, for years. A lot of them were resettled in um, New England because of the welfare state there. So um, there you go. Between 2013 and 2018, he had been multiple times at Elliott Hospital and Mental Health Center. During some examinations, he rocked back and forth and showed anger and confusion. He was diagnosed with suicidal and homicidal tendencies. Auditory and visual hallucinations, paranoia, and psychosis. Okay? And then he beats someone unprompted severely. And he is let out. Folks, this is happening everywhere. Like I tell you, this case is all the elements. The mental health stuff is a huge problem. We don't lock anyone up anymore. So this is what the guy did. Basically, this was in 2018. The man beat the guy. And also, while he was beating him, he called him a racist too. (laughs) Classic, classic. It's funny the guy's pretty up on the hip culture for being someone who is uh, so uh, criminally insane. But this is where we are. A guy like that was let go six days later. Brutally rapes and beats a woman in a graveyard. And there's no effort. Mind you, there will be no effort to push legislation to reform the you know men- violently mentally ill people to make sure they're locked up particularly this this law um this impediment to committing people to uh mental institutions there won't be reform there won't be anything in New Hampshire nothing this is why we have a government to protect people from people like that. If you're not going to do that, abolish all government. Literally. That is the one thing that they're supposed to do to protect liberty. But no, there's too many people, nonviolent first-time people in prison, Daniel. No, there's no nonviolent first-time people in prison, and most violent multiple-time people are not in prison. No calls for reform. What has happened to our values that we can't even get conservatives to fight what even some liberals did 25, 30 years ago? Truly disgusting. But that story had all of the elements involved. But there's tons of other stories. Obviously, we have at a time when basically Trump supporters for nothing more than trespassing a public space, the United States Congress... They're being beaten in prison, put in solitary confinement, held without bail in um, Oregon. So we already know that that almost everyone that was held by state and local law enforcement was let go. The feds arrested 97 people. Now, if you're arrested by the feds for rioting, there's something really bad. These were the people that assaulted federal agents, set fire to um, the federal um, courthouse. All but seven had their charges dropped Nine or, or will soon. Uh, 53 or so were already dropped, according to Fox News. Seven, all but seven um, uh, 
were uh, were dropped, and even those pled down, they pled guilty. There, there's only one guy, one out of 97, is headed to prison. He was caught on camera setting fires. Um, but other people, including those who placed an agent in a chokehold or beat officers, were had charges completely dropped. Completely dropped. There was another case in... Um, this is just random stuff I see in Minnesota. A man convicted of stomping someone to the point that their brain was bleeding. 117-month sentence, but it was stayed after a few months. Stayed by a judge. Again, this happens all the time. All the time. And what is it with the, with the stomping? We talked about this with Officer Heacock who was killed, a Maryland officer who was killed in Del Mar, Delaware. He was stomped to death by a guy who had 37 prior arrests. This is what we have everywhere all the time. Sorry to get gruesome today, but this is where we are. And then I want to share a couple of other stories with you today about juveniles. Just, you know, we, we've talked about how increasingly most of the crimes are being committed by juveniles. And they're just as brutal as anything else. And there's no solace to the victim that it was done by someone younger. And, you know, you could talk about saying, hey, a guy who's 15 should get less of a punishment for shoplifting than someone who's 35. But then again, nobody's really punished for that. Anyway. But when you talk about something like rape, and this is a trend I've noticed from following crime for many years, the trend of juvenile rape is getting much more pervasive. No one's talking about this. But it's unbelievable and, and it doesn't surprise me with all the porn and violence and, and you have the rap, um, you know, if, if, if the few times in my life I was exposed to rap, you know, just having a car drive by or something, like, it's so ubiquitous that if you just hear it for five seconds, you'll hear it. And throw the woman on the ground and beat in the face and put the put the put the, and like, it, it's so ingrained. I mean, we, we've, we've talked about a case of 12-year-olds being arrested for raping a woman. Now, if you have a tough, you know, teenage boy grabbing a woman and raping her, what does it matter that he was 15 rather than 35? The guy should have his balls cut off either way. But to be nice, it should be life without parole. But of course it's not. Not for adults, certainly not for, for kids. I mean, rape, you, by the way, you'd be shocked the amount of time people serve for rape. Not juveniles, but I'm talking about adults here. Because again, like often it's so hard to land first degree rape, so it winds up being second or third degree. So right off the bat, it it it, it takes, you know, 80% off of it, and then you know it just goes downhill from there. The victims are scared to testify. But I want to read to you two cases just to demonstrate how it's just as brutal and just as pervasive now among among uh, juveniles. Two Milwaukee teenagers face homicide charges. This is from Fox 6. Um, in a September 2020 rape and murder of E. Lee. 
brutally beaten and left for dead in Washington Park. Kamar Lewis, 17, and Kevin Spencer, 15, each face one count of first-degree intentional homicide and first-degree sexual assault. And basically, she was found unconscious, severely beaten, and undressed below her waist in a park. This is in a park. It must have been during the day. Appears to be during the day. Um, she died of blunt force trauma to the head. The criminal complaint says that five to six people involved were involved in, in the crime running of, from the area. So again, this is another thing too. You know, you could have a pretty tough, I mean, it, it, it's not very hard to have a 15, 16-year-old year old guy to completely overpower and beat a woman. But like I said, they often travel in packs. They usually do. So there, there were a bunch of them involved. So again, there's only two of them being charged. So the others will probably get off. She, they, they, um, what did they do? They, they, she had been taken from a blanket to a tree, where they sexually assaulted her. Then they dragged her to the edge of a pond and left her for dead. Um, six in a group on bicycles. Classic. One of the bystanders was really, who called 911 was part of it. And video was later viewed on Lewis's phone. This is one of the attackers showing Lewis and Spencer hitting her as she lay on the ground. They hit her with tree branches, punching her in the face. There actually is a surveillance camera footage of her. She is of Asian descent. Um, and like many Asians, really, really small and petite. So, you know, just one of those guys could just ground her to dust, and that's what it appears they did. They dragged her to the water. Um, and you know, we'll we'll leave it leave it at that. But uh, even in a case like this, where it's just open and shut and just so horrific. You wonder how much time they'll get. You wonder if this is one of the cases where they'll be out at 21, if that. If that. But again, I mean, someone who does this, tell me, tell me, should their age matter at all? If anything, they're incorrigibly broken. It's even worse. They're just demonic if they're doing that at that age. So that's with that. Here's another case. 15-year-old boy charged a neighbor's rape. This is in Rockville, Maryland. Rockville, Maryland. So basically this woman um, was entering her home after going grocery shopping and Kristen Vesquez, I wonder if he's illegal, allegedly 15 years old, being charged with first-degree rape, first-degree assault, and home invasion. He got in through an unlocked door. And when the victim returned home, the victim, imagine this, she walked upstairs to her bedroom, entered the bathroom, and he was waiting for her. Vasquez grabbed her from behind, wrapped his arm around her neck. Vasquez was wearing a mask that covered his entire face, so maybe he'll get off because he was wearing Fauci's mask. Uh, Vasquez pulled his victim to the bedroom, displayed a knife. 
put a covering on the victim's head so he couldn't see her. He raped her. He then threatened to retrieve the knife if she didn't comply. And then she called 911 when he left the home. So he was, and and he is being held without bail. So <laughs> thankful for small favors there. That That's not always the case. But again, again, it's often hard to look up criminal records. But I guarantee you, you know, especially of, of, of uh, juveniles, I guarantee you he likely had other stuff going on there. It's very hard to go from nothing to something like that in one shot. But I just wanted to show you this is happening everywhere. You can't... You can no longer say, yeah, the kid's kind of like doing disruptive things, you know, whatever, juvenile crimes. They are committing murder and rape as brutally and as pervasively as adults are, if not more. This is what's happening now. And yet nothing happens to them. Nobody is talking about this. It's just, it's shocking. And folks, this is happening everywhere. I mean, I could spend days just reading cases like this to you. And it's not just California. California, they've institutionalized it more. They've made programs out of this. But on an individual level, this is happening in every state. And with juveniles, it's happening literally everywhere. Nowhere are we punishing and deterring juveniles anywhere near where they need to be punished. That's the story. And, and, and yes, this is, this is sick. This is terrorism. You know, everyone goes crazy when you say Al-Qaeda or ISIS or Hezbollah. The reality is the culture of violence that has permeated our inner cities is at least as bad as anything ISIS does. I mean, this thing of, you know, it used to be okay, they'd grab a woman's pocketbook and, you know, juveniles would do that and they got into the carjackings and that's certainly a big problem. But, but often the, the beatdowns and the rapes, you know, that is definitely a growing phenomenon that's born out of this culture of violence. That they, they will literally have 10 of them, they would have no qualms about surrounding a 100-pound woman and just beating her to death. This is a big danger that you can't even walk the streets, go to a park. This is why we have a government. Again, this is why I say I am all for, at this point, abolishing the police. Because we already have anarchy. At least then, we'll be able to defend ourselves against these punks and shoot them on sight. But no, that's where the two-tier justice system comes into play. And they'll clamp down on us. I'm not saying Derek Chauvin was a hero much less probably had problems, you know, in his past and, you know, did things wrong. But he did not deserve that sentence. We all know it. And now we see the jury. The jury, every one of them was tainted. You had BLM guys all over the jury. And they were totally fine with that. Totally fine with that. That's a two-tier justice system. Mind you, forever they are invalidating juries of the worst violent murderers 
saying that there are too many whites on them and they're racist. Tons of cases like that every term go before the Supreme Court. And often, you know, the non-Thomas justices buy into it. We've talked about a couple of them over the years. So that's what we have with the two-tier justice system. We have in New Jersey, a female officer was fired for writing on Facebook that BLM protesters are terrorists who couldn't care less if she dies. That's all she wrote, which is true. She was fired. Fired. Hopewell Township Police Officer Sarah Irwin was terminated Friday via unanimous vote of the town committee, which accepted the recommendations of a hearing officer. Second Officer Sergeant Mandy Gray was demoted and suspended for six months for replying to a comment on Irwin's June 2020 post. This is going to be a big fight we're going to have at a local level with our teams. This is going to be a big fight. But BLM is the new law of the land. No one's doing anything about it. And you know what? It's not like our government doesn't know how to be tough on crime when they want to. This is from our friend... Julie Kelly, who's been writing about the travesty of what the Justice Department is doing with the January 6th protesters, Trump supporters. While reading emails in his bedroom last Wednesday morning, Paul Huper heard a loud commotion inside his house. Still clad in pajamas, the Alaska business owner ran to his dining room to see what was happening. Huper found himself face-to-face with several armed FBI agents, guns drawn, barking orders to him and his wife, Marilyn. The agents kicked down the front door, of their Homer, Alaska home. The pair were quickly handcuffed, along with a few house guests, including a teenager. Um, they said they had a search warrant but didn't present it to us. They said it had something to do with the January 6th riot, as they called it. They put us in different rooms to make sure we were telling the same story. They treated us like criminals. Marilyn was told she was suspect in the case of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's stolen laptop. A few hours into the Inquisition, an agent finally showed Marilyn a photo of someone inside the Capitol on January 6th who looked like her. She told agents it wasn't her and insisted the image had been photoshopped. The whole incident was somewhat amusing to the Hupers. We laughed a lot of the time because it was so ridiculous. But it was far from a laughing matter. One investigator warned Marilyn that if she didn't give the answers they were looking for, she could face perjury and obstruction of justice charges. Although it was clear neither Huper had the stolen laptop or were inside the building On January 6th, the FBI ransacked their home, then confiscated computers and cell phones. The FBI also took Cooper's copy of the Declaration of Independence, considering one judge recently cited a January 6th defendant's text about the spirit of 1776 as evidence of wrongdoing. Perhaps the government will present the founding document in court to show the Hoopers are in danger to society. This is no joke. Huber, without an attorney present, allowed agents to retrieve photos from his cell phone. Please don't try this at home, folks, says Julie. I've got nothing to hide, he said. Unfortunately for the Hupers, the presumption of innocence, due process, and equal treatment under the law do not apply to Americans on the political right. The story was described as a case of mistaken identity, but the FBI knew exactly what it was doing. There was no mistake. It was very likely investigators are scouring the Hupers' devices for proof they trespassed near the Capitol. 
Several protesters who never entered the building nonetheless faced charges for remaining in a restricted area outside the building and and trying to charge them with up to 20 years in prison. And since the Huber spoke publicly about what happened to them, retribution by the government is undoubtedly imminent. This is where we are, folks. This is where we are. If you are in or near the Capitol on January 6th, the FBI will ruin you in a single tweet. They'll ruin your life. They'll put it out, and then you can never get a job anymore. Could you imagine if we applied that to BLM? That would literally rope in tens of millions of people. And they were committing exponentially more crime. The number of buildings burned. The number of people, including law enforcement, beaten. This is a sick country. You could never have written a script like this. This is why we need to self-separate. Yes, we need a revolution from a sick and demented country like this. A satanic government that criminalizes human breath, criminalizes um, basically nothing more than that really is a protest, while greenlighting murder for juveniles and other crimes for everyone else and rioting galore. This is the country we live in now. But you see, it's not enough to have our own criminals. We have to import others as well. Breitbart reports that 49-year-old Jesus Leal Corona, an illegal alien from Mexico, he killed a 24-year-old man in a drunk driving incident. He was sentenced to just five years recently. Even though he had two prior arrests, he was not deported. That life was lost, 100% avoidable. So it's other countries as well. We have to have other countries' criminals. Today I have a column out with new data. In the Tucson sector, there are more gotaways than apprehensions at the border. Those are all criminals running into our country. It's basically, they claim the, the, the one that, the, that they're recording is 15,000 gotaways a month, but it's a lot more than that. Hundreds of thousands this year of other countries' violent criminals to needlessly murder Americans will be placed into this country. The ranchers are dealing with this all the time now. My sources tell me increasingly when they catch the bailouts, they have guns, they want to fight. And why shouldn't they? They know they are the chosen ones. Criminals are great people, particularly if you're trespassing our country from another country, while Americans are beaten down. This is where we are. So in the coming days, I do want to talk about what we can do on on a state and local level on crime, what we can do at a state level to fight back on illegal immigration. This is something we're going to have to tackle, you know, really at a regular pace. But we're going to have to fight back at a local level. There's no other choice. Now ask yourself, how many other Republicans or conservatives talk like this, mention this stuff, 
give forward looking ideas. How many? I can't find them. That's why I need you guys to send this show and every other to 50 of your friends, relatives, neighbors, like-minded colleagues. Give us a five-star rating if you can. We really appreciate that. And then, yeah, we have so much more COVID stuff. It's never-ending. It is not ending. There is still not a single state where in most of the state you could live freely like we did 14 months ago. Despite all the talk, we got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. And we're just beginning now. So we'll get back to some of the COVID stuff tomorrow as well. I got to run and start making my calls to some of the state team leaders. I, I do pledge to spend more time on that this week. Again, your sign up for ConAction.network has not gone in the garbage. You just have to understand it, the enormous scope of this project and the little time and resources and you know volunteers I have, much less paid people. I don't have any paid people, obviously. So this is going to take longer than I wanted it to happen, but it will be up. You know, We're definitely going to have for this year in a lot of states, and the goal is to have all the states up by next year's legislative session. And we could we could make this happen. So I certainly appreciate you guys signing up. I apologize for being a little bit late on this project. It's taking longer than I hope, but we are going to have this great training with FACL, um, grassroots training to learn how to fight back like a leftist for our values. And crime is going to be a big part of that. It's got to be a big part of that. Um, we got to stand up for ourselves because no one else will. That's the reality. Folks, I want you guys to continue praying for our success. Get organized. Stay armed. Stay informed. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.